0: Welcome to Spill the Tea, a bi weekly download of life, liberty, and the latest in culture and news with your
1: hosts, Dr. Robert McClure and Sal Nuzo. Welcome to another episode of Spill the Tea. Uh, I am Sal Nuzo here with JMI CEO Bob McClure. Uh, Bob, tons of stuff to get to, but I think we want to kick off this episode with. The Slap Heard Round the World.
0: Yeah, Chris Rock and Will Smith, uh, the Hollywood Glitterati, all together on uh, one night. Uh, We know that those ratings have continued to tank over the years because it's just one big lecture to uh, middle America, one after another, and and they don't even take their own advice, so it's incredibly hypocritical. Uh, And yet, speaking of hypocrisy... Uh, I I don't know what to think about Chris Rock's joke about Will Smith's uh, wife, uh, about Jada Pinkett Smith. But can you imagine if he had made that joke, oh, I don't know, about Melania Trump? Or if he had made that joke about uh, some other conservative male or female and the different response, not only from the media, but from the people in the room about that um, can you imagine the response that that the different response we would have had?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And and I think this you you used the the term hypocrisy a, a moment ago. And I think whether we're talking about uh, you know simple battery or an assault, whether we're talking about the ability of a person to get away with something, to, you know, dependent on their class and their and their status in in a group. Or you know the fact that Will Smith, then 20, 30 minutes later, won the Oscar right. for Best Actor, got yeah. up on the stage, apologized to the Academy and the other nominees, but did not apologize to the guy he cold-cocked right. in front of a billion people. Right. I mean, this just, to me... I, I I know folks are trying to parse this and say he was defending his wife. No. But if you look at the video, you see him chuckle at the joke. And it was only after uh, he might have looked over to her, saw her, that he then you know broke out into the rage that led to the slap. Right, which I think is fascinating. You know,
0: uh, Will Smith has now since resigned from the academy. Chris Rock uh, has held at least one show since The Slap Heard Around the World. And they interviewed people who were there and said it was a great, great show, but he never once mentioned the incident, not one time. Um, And so you have all of these different intriguing components. I think Will Smith's brand is damaged. If not beyond repair, it's damaged tremendously. But I just find it... So interestingly hypocritical because had that been said about a conservative, the response would have been completely different. And uh, you may, may or not know this, Amy Schumer opened the evening by saying the words gay, 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 gay in parody of the parental rights bill in the state of Florida, which is maddening, which is maddening. It's the left's attempt to
1: hijack the Parental Bill of Rights here in the state. Speaking of which, uh, I don't know if you caught this, but there is a new gender identity available for United States passport applications, an ex-gender marking. It'll be available 11, April 11th. What's your take? I'd like to know uh, how much money that's costing
0: the taxpayers. I do know this. I saw a statistic that said it will affect, of the people who apply for passports, it will affect point zero zero. 5% of those who apply for passports. Not 5%, but less than 1% of 1% of 1% of the people who apply for passports, this will affect.
1: One of the things that I'm uh, kind of uh, thinking through in my head is the impact on uh, children and child trafficking. So, you know, can a passport with an X marker end up having a negative consequence if someone is faking a passport to move a child from one country to another under you know kind of very bad conditions and so there are things in my head that i just don't think have been thought through with respect to this i think it's another just complete and utter abdication to progressive left culture uh but you know it's it's one that i think uh Unfortunately, we're going to have to be battling uh, for years to come. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the left has hijacked the White House. This is what
0: you get when the left runs the country. There was a great article by uh, Victor Davis Hanson uh, talking about this very thing just recently about how the left really has the uh, levers of power virtually across the, the the board, except in the Supreme Court. And this is what you get. You get. Uh, high un- you get high inflation, you get uh, uh, um, um, foreign policy that that leads from behind, you get focus on things that, that nobody cares about, like global warming, climate change, and nobody cares about that issue except the coastal elites and the people in Washington, D.C., and then these gender issues. That is what's drive the left is what is driving this when
1: middle America has so much more to think about and worry about. Speaking of hijacking... Elon Musk purchasing just over 9% of Twitter. Uh, kind of uh, I don't know if he's uh, pushing a full-blown takeover but I believe that puts him as the highest shareholder uh, in the company I uh, think it it shifts Twitter's you know uh, kind of alignment
0: or what, what your what's your thought oh you can already see it with the media uh, both on the right and the left and to put that purchase in perspective Elon Musk now owns more shares with a greater value than Jack Dorsey ever did that's amazing that's an amazing Amazing thought. So now, what can Elon Musk do with that? You're already seeing uh, uh, the despair on the far left and the uh, exuberance on the right with what may or may not happen. Uh, I don't fully, I must confess, I don't fully understand the edit button. Do we need it? Do we not need it? But what I would really like to see is Twitter become what it was in, in its originality, which is a platform for free speech. I say, restore everybody, right and left and let's just have a conversation.
1: Yeah, I think you're and you're not the only one that's suggesting that that one of his first motions as a new board member should be to restore all deplatformed accounts. I you know, I, I there is a free, kind of a lover of free markets in me that still believes that at the end of the day, Twitter is a is a free enterprise, is a private platform and should be able to, to do whatever it wants. But I love the fact that a private individual has bought enough shares to exert some influence over it. Now, you know,
0: it's fascinating culturally and from a business perspective. Elon Musk is going to be somehow I think in many ways the the uh, the Henry Ford, the Bill Gates, the you know these these titans of industry 20 30 40 50 years from now people will look back on Elon Musk as an amazing individual and I really think I don't know for sure but I think he 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 has these libertarian leanings oh, yes. like Peter Thiel uh, and and I think it's so refreshing out there the way he uh, um,
1: handles social media. Well, let's shift to, uh, to some somber stuff, uh, kind of shifting over to politics. The war in Ukraine is still raging on. You've got accusations of uh, some war crimes in Bucha, uh, 300 civilians potentially mm. killed. I have to be honest with you, I'm, I'm following it on social media and each day i have to ask myself is what i am seeing an accurate depiction yeah. of what's occurring is it being filtered through some kind of propaganda strategy is it a psyop is it something where you know one side or another is looking to kind of curry world favor and they recognize that that whether it's twitter or facebook they have that capacity that they didn't have in prior wars so I, I, I will confess, I am utterly confused uh, other than the fact that I know in my heart Putin is a an authoritarian Soviet-style oppressor. That's that's all I know. Well, and to me, you can't take it all in, to your point. It's
0: not possible to take it all in and also deal with what we have going on in this country and also to, to live your own life. But I think that, to me, the simple thought that I keep, uh, coming back to is that Russia has invaded a sovereign country. Now Ukraine is is not was not uh, perfect. It had you know, issues with corruption, but it was a sovereign nation uh, invaded by Russia. And the response to that by America has been. A disaster. They have not led in any way. They have just like with Fauci, just like the CDC, they have given mixed messages. Not only to the Ukrainians who are begging for, you know, guns and and ammo to put it generically, but also they've given incredibly mixed messages to NATO, to our allies in Poland and Hungary and places that are close there. Um, And it just reminds us that. Uh, the leadership of the left in America uh, has been a disaster uh, on, on, on not only the uh, domestic front, but on the international front as well. And it just emboldens Putin. And don't forget, Sal... China's watching. Oh, yeah. And they're looking at Taiwan. And we have to think about those things.
1: But there's no plan. There's no leadership. It just seems fly by the seat of your pants on a daily basis. And to then segue that into the challenges that we have on the domestic energy front, right. the administration is saying they're going to release 180 million barrels of oil from strategic reserves, which is like raiding your 401k instead of going to work. That is what we are doing. The Strategic Reserve was built for a time that America was at war and we might need oil in order to fuel ships or fuel planes. And instead, we're raiding this because we are seeing high prices at the pump as a result of all this uh, international turmoil. And the left and the Biden administration's inability or unwillingness to tap into domestic energy production exploration is just crippling us at this point, and so their only uh, only potential idea is let's just re- release more barrels from the strategic reserve.
0: Right. So uh, it's it's the regulations that they've put on oil and gas. It is the the uh, driving of this green new deal, which is a, would be a disaster if it was taken to its full length. The thing that's really interesting is by releasing these oil reserves, they are making the case for those of us who believe in energy independence. Absolutely, they're absolutely you know shooting themselves in the foot when it comes to green initiatives. But we 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 went to Venezuela, we've we've gone to the Middle East for oil, and everybody's just kind of given us the the back of their hand. And now he's left with with releasing these reserves which which are not—it's a short-term answer. It won't last long. I'm sure they're thinking of midterm elections, but by the summer, by July 4th, can you imagine, Sal, what the
1: price of a gallon of gas is going to be on 4th of July weekend? And think about this, because I've seen some tweets from whether it's the White House or left-leaning reporters or what have you about— oh, well, what will the Keystone Pipeline do for us next week? Well, don't forget, the Keystone Pipeline was a concept that the Obama administration had nixed and delayed 10 years ago. So had we taken a productive and and assertive approach to domestic energy production and authorized that pipeline 10 years ago when we should, we would be feeling the downward pressures on oil today and we would be able to deal with it. And you take that in combination with opening up Anwar and
0: federal leases and those kinds of things, that tweet that you were talking about shows a stunning ignorance yep. of economics if, 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 if it's coming if gas and oil are coming then the the price will drop inherently because of what's on the horizon it is supply and demand and, and we, we learn that in you know 10th grade economics classes
1: yeah you, you, regardless of the left's intents regardless of the administration's visions, you cannot alter the laws of economics, the laws of supply and demand.
0: Right. All right. So as we shift to something, a big issue, uh, much closer to home, uh, the argument, the war between Disney and Governor DeSantis continues unabated. Governor DeSantis is not backing down. I don't know that Disney's not backing down. They may have gotten a little quieter. But uh, what are your thoughts on what's taking place there?
1: Well, I'll repeat something I think I said uh, on the last podcast is that Disney picked... The absolute wrong issue and the wrong timing to wait in. They did nothing but ensure that everybody hated them. So the left hated them because they didn't speak out early enough. They didn't, uh, in their minds, attempt to influence the, the bill before or kill it before it made it to the governor's desk. So then they wait. And then they come out against it after it's passed. And so they've angered everybody on the right, right. And all. And so it is a PR disaster. I think you're right. I think they are trying to figure out a way out of this. They and are. that, in their mind, may be just by getting quiet. But you have kind of folks on the right. Going on offense, Uh, uh, the, the representative from down in South Florida who shepherded the bill in the house, Joe Harding, he returned a bunch of or all of his Disney contributions and then just today tweeted out that as a result of that, he got, I think it's seventy or seventy-five thousand dollars in small contributions from thirty-seven hundred new donors. So you have this sense of like, okay, this is an issue that's resonating with the grassroots. It's resonating with with constituents, parents. They are seeing the writing on the wall and where the left was going. And I give a lot of credit to Republicans in this instance for kind of uh, the not being scared to back down. Not only that, the governor's
0: doubled down. You know, Disney, when it, when it, when it uh, first began in the early 60s, established a special taxing district, so it did not have to deal with Osceola or Orange County regulations. They are a special uh, uh, entity of their own. They have their own security, their own fire protection. They have all of those kinds of things. Floridians may not know that. And not that that's going to be taken away, but the fact that it's even being discussed that it could be taken away, Disney's losing this this uh, this PR battle, and then you have the walkout day, the protest day. the The company of Disney has well over eighty thousand employees. The day of protest day, the walkout day from the uh, LBGTQ community. I think they had seventy or eight protests, so seventy or eighty protests. So what you see once again is that the left, the hard left is less than 10% of the American community, of the American population. And yet, they have this outsized influence because of fear and intimidation. And you're seeing it writ large at Disney.
1: Speaking of Governor DeSantis, have you listened to the uh, the song?
0: Yes, I have. Sweet Florida, sweet Florida. Yes, I have. By Leonard Skinner. My boys from Jacksonville, when I was growing up, they've come a long way. Or actually, should I say they've gone down a long yeah. way since uh, Leonard Skinnerd pronounced their first album. Uh, so, uh, but you know what? What what did the governor call it? He called it "The, the song, song of the summer, summer," which I thought was hilarious. I thought that was great. Um, yeah I, I think would, we all needed a laugh yeah but, you know yeah, yeah we yeah. did we did we did need that laugh that was great but if you don't want to listen to sweet Florida now Sal you can stream Seinfeld 24 hours a day seven days a week Seinfeld has its own streaming service this
1: is why I love free market capitalism there is no other kind of epitome of Of what free markets and innovation and technology can offer than a 24-7 channel that solely streams a show that is now, I think, 26 years removed from its final episode. And it's still
0: good. It's amazing. It is. It's amazing. It's timeless. Uh, We moved to sports. Yep. Uh, We'll talk. Before you move to sports, y'all totally skipped over. Tax. I was gonna save that for the end. Because.
1: Just, okay, yeah, it's Coming up, that
0: makes coming up. Okay, yep, that's yeah, a good idea. okay, okay, that's all right. Moving to sports, Bruce Arians has stepped down. Todd Bowles is now the new head coach at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady is back. Is it coincidence? Is it luck, or do you think Brady had a hand in Arians stepping down?
1: Oh, I think, I think absolutely. I, I, I think human beings and their and their nature to kind of maneuver and manipulate and. All of that human nature, I think, absolutely Brady had a hand in it. It was one where it, it you know, kind of, kind of dangle his uh, one more year out there. I've seen tweets or or, or releases from Gronk saying, "Nay, hey, maybe I come back." Right, and sure. I, I just think it's. And look, I, I was never. I grew up in New England. I was never a Pat's fan. I was always a Giants fan. But Brady is great for the NFL. Yeah. Um, I think that kind of the 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 fact that he got so close this past season just I mean, he's still got it. The dream is still alive. I think it's gonna be a great season. Yeah,
0: yeah. And as we uh, do this podcast, the Lady Gamecocks from South Carolina just won the national championship in women's college basketball. The Kansas Jayhawks,
1: the men's team, just won the national championship. So so question for you on this. like, I have always been anti-Duke all of my life. However, I was absolutely rooting for that last title, for him to win it out. I I felt... I mean, I know UNC was kind of, as an eight seed, was a little bit of a Cinderella. But I was so hoping to see Coach K get one. Even though... I cannot stand the Blue Devils ever since they ended the UConn dream and Christian Leitner hit a buzzer beater in the final eight back in 1989. You know, it's fascinating. I actually
0: have the opposite feel, which is I've loved Coach K. I've read most of his books. I love books on leadership and all that kind of stuff. And I have loved Coach K and admired him. I'm not a Dukey uh, by, by, uh, by history standards, but I've always admired and pulled for Duke. But I got so sick of... Of the year-long celebration of Mike Shishovsky at every venue that he went to, then they lose to North Carolina at Duke at the end of the year, and he, you know, it comes out. He's in a foul mood, and I just felt like enough already. Okay, it's and so I actually found myself not pulling for uh, North Carolina in that game. Whereas if he were going to be here next year, and there wasn't that, you know, this whole celebra- year-long celebration of him. It seemed that it was about him and not
1: his players. It's a great point. And and to kind of maybe uh, close out on something we all can agree to hate, uh, Tax Day is coming up. Well, wait. First, got to say uh,
0: we have an office pool here, the NCAA tournament office pool, which we always have. And uh, so the entire staff does brackets, and the winner gets lunch uh, on the rest of the staff. Who won this year, Sal? Our our own policy team member, Logan Page. Logan Padgett, Director of Communications and Public Affairs, was the winner. And I think she held her hand over her eyes
1: and just mashed buttons. Is that what I heard? I, I believe it was something along those lines. Uh, our our grant manager picks her favorite mascots, I believe. Um uh bill maddox goes with his heart which never seems to (laughs) bode well for him um we got other coaches that go by true go by the
0: colors which colors colors they like best and so Logan won. She actually won,
1: we learned today, she won her family's pool as well. And not only that, she won our pool like a week and a half ago because the rest of us were right. just awful. I did not get a single point after the Sweet 16. All of my Final Four and Final Eight teams were out. I picked Baylor to win it all. Who uh, finished last on the in the on the on staff, Sal? It, it, well, I mean, I kind of gave it away with that. <laughs> Uh, I do guarantee, though, like Namath, uh, worst to first in 2023, it's going to happen. Uh, let's get, let's get on to tax sure. day. We're closing out the, this podcast uh, um, on a somber next, note. Yeah,
0: on a somber note. In the next week, week and a half, we're going to have tax day, according to the Tax Foundation's uh, Foundation Americans. Will collectively spend more on taxes than they will on food, clothing, and housing combined. In this inflationary economy, that's a stunning statistic.
1: Yeah, I've heard uh, reports or figures that um, there's, uh, I think they also, most years put out what they call Tax Freedom Day, which depends on the state you're in, whether your state has an income tax, but it could be as late as April 30th that a resident works. 24-7 Twenty-four-seven, just to pay off their taxes. So the first three or four months of the year are just to pay your bill to Uncle Sam. Uh, as an organization that continues to fight for limited government, I think, uh, and this is something we can say is is a fault of both parties. Oh, no doubt. The um, spending is yeah. a it's a,
0: an insatiable hunger for more money. Also, 57% of Americans will not pay a a national income tax this year. doesn't mean they're not going to pay any taxes at all, but they're not going to pay a national income tax. Put another way, 43% of Americans will pay 100% of the national income tax. That's a uh, stunning statistic. And then you have Biden saying... He doesn't have enough. He wants to raise taxes more. He says it's on billionaires, but we know the difference there. It's more and more and more. And it reminds us that two things. Washington, it's all—it's never about expenses. It's always about the need for more revenue because they never cut. And the second thing is, The more money you send to Washington, the more you consolidate power in Washington as opposed to dispersing it amongst the states.
1: That's the critical role that we need to return to. Amen to that. And on that note, we will conclude this episode of Spill the Tea. Looking forward to coming back to you all in two weeks. Thank you for listening to Spill the Tea. For more content from the James Madison Institute, follow us on social media or check out our website at jamesmadison.org.